hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of our uh, sermon podcast. We are uh, doing things a little bit different uh, today because what we're going to talk about, we didn't actually preach on Sunday. So uh, this will serve as your sermon for the week as well as your discussion all combined in one. And so you're welcome for simplifying things for you. Um, Mara, where are we at? All right. So all summer, if you've been sticking with us, we've been on this Epic is the only word to describe it, journey, where we've covered a lot of time, a lot of distance um, as the Israelites have moved from Egypt into the promised land, and that took them through a period of wandering in the wilderness. They come into the promised land. It's inhabited by other groups, and um, as they kind of rely on God and his provision, he is creating a place for them in a land that he promised for them. Um, They then decide and ask him to give them a king, um, an earthly king that they can see because um, that's what everybody else had. And they thought that that was going to be the best way for them to move forward. Um, He gives them a king that they asked for. He gives them Saul, who looked very kingly, very tall, very strong. Um, But pretty early on in his reign, um, Saul did exactly what God warned him he would do, is that he started to build his kingdom as opposed to God's kingdom. And that resulted in Saul losing his his kingship, losing his his line, his heirs, um, that the kingship would not pass on to them. And so enters David, who is completely the opposite of Saul in so many ways. Not what anybody would have expected for their next king to look like, be like he comes as a shepherd boy straight out of a field. So already he is the lowest um, rank in society pretty much here. And um, through a series of events, he he gets to know Saul. Um, he serves as one of his musicians. Last week we talked about how David is the only person to be willing to stand up against Goliath. And um, David's starting to gain some fame. And I think we all kind of agree that this is very challenging and threatening to Saul. And we're going to see how that um, really plays out today in our story. Um, you know that Saul's mental health at this point is, is fragile at best. And that just continues to plague him through the rest of his reign. So in this story you have um, with, with David, uh, Mara talked about he's killed the giant. He, he's been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. Uh, and, and he ends up in, in Saul's inner circle. And uh, he, he soothes Saul through, through his music. But then not only that, he becomes this, this leader, this, this general, if you will, of Saul's army and has success. And he's beginning to get acclaim. And it creates problems for Saul uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, Saul has a son, Jonathan, who naturally would seem to be the one that would be um, the next king. Uh, but it becomes pretty obvious uh, pretty pretty early that David is marked for greatness. Yeah. And although David has this great friendship with Jonathan, uh, he does not have this connection with Saul. And Saul begins to pursue and try to kill David. Uh, This is despite the fact that David is married to Micah, who is one of Saul's daughters. So so Saul is, David's in the inner circle. He's a general. He's anointed. He's married to the king's daughter. And yet Saul begins to pursue David. And so uh, throughout the the second part of 1 Samuel, from 1 Samuel 18 on, David is pursued by King Saul, even though David is perfectly innocent. Even though he has not done anything to further himself uh, as king, even though he has shown nothing but kindness to Saul, 
and loyalty to Saul. As a matter of fact, David goes out of his way to show loyalty to Saul, uh, that, that he would not do anything to hurt the Lord's anointed, is, is how he would refer to Saul. And so Saul pursues David. David lives with the Philistines for a while. And as a matter of fact, David acts like he's insane when he lives with the Philistines. So they, they don't, because he's he's won battles against them. He's pursued. And uh, David um, eventually, uh, he uh, has opportunity to actually kill Saul. Uh, Saul goes into a cave to use the cave for a men's room. And while Saul's in there, David cuts off a portion of his robe to show that he was there. And uh, David's men, as a matter of fact, are saying, listen, God has delivered Saul into your hands. And yet David refuses uh, to, to take those opportunities and, and lets Saul know, I've been loyal. I, I would never hurt you. Uh, and yet this, this um, conflict continues throughout Saul's life. And eventually Saul and Jonathan are killed and David mourns uh, for their death. And there's a short civil war, but eventually David is made king of all of Israel. And that's where we find ourselves in the story. And, and our focus today is on this, this ad lib time where David is doing everything right and everything seems to be tracking in the right direction. And we have Saul that throws a wrench in everything. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys, what do you notice? I know we're, we're, we want to talk a little bit about kind of the ad lib kind of how do we, how do we do that? But is there any other, Mars, is there anything that sticks out to you specifically? Um, yeah. I just think it's really interesting in all of this that um, like David is going out of his way to make sure that like he's not doing the wrong things. I mean, like the people even that are following him are like, God's given you this, this is happy. Like, I mean, like they're trying to speak into his life that this is some sort of divine providence. And it's like at every turn, he is, he's not advancing his agenda yeah. in any way. Hmm. And I just think that that's so interesting because at this point he is, he's a military general. They have those songs about like Saul killed his thousands, David's killed his 10,000s. Like, everybody is almost sitting here perched waiting for him to make this big military move to seize mm. what seems like it would rightfully be his and i just think it's so interesting that he, he he's not trying to further his agenda he is very open to just kind of waiting and improvising and just mm. watching how things turn out um, mm. with an eye on the future versus trying to make it happen now yeah and his agenda is god's agenda Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for if he were to kill Saul, and he would were to become king, this is a confusing time to me because because mm -hmm. I, I think this leads to a lot of questions. If David were to have killed Saul and become king, mm -hmm. that was God's agenda, mm -hmm. and he would he would have been furthering what God wanted that David would be king. Um, you know, and and I guess. You know, but David and his spirit, and you know, the, the Bible tells us David had a spirit after God's own heart. Right. So, so David must have seen things how God saw things. Yeah. So, what's that mean yeah. with regard to Saul? When you think about David's not further an agenda, not killing Saul, even though eventually he is to be king. Yeah, I mean, I think I just so I was kind of thinking through it this morning, just thinking in in Paul's position. I mean, we're seeing it just a classic example of someone who is in power 
who feels that their power is under threat. And so it's just this scrambling to, to kind of save face, uh, to, to hold on to that power as, as long as possible and to do whatever is necessary. And we see that when, when power is under threat, um, it kind of leads to some some crazy things, um, and so like I'm just seeing this kind of the, these two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you have Saul who has power, um, but it's power kind of under his own way of doing things or a, a worldly way of doing things, and you have Saul or sorry uh, David who is going to come into power, but in a godly way. And so just to see those two clash of one who's feeling threatened in his power. And so, you know, I'm going to force my will on, on someone else. I'm going to attack them. I'm going to make life miserable for them um, versus someone who's coming into power in God's way. And just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to stoop to the level of worldly power. This kind of uh, take it at all means necessary. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to seek revenge. Um, I'm not, I'm not taking matters into my own hand. I just, this, this is just such a, a clash of two different, uh, ways of, of doing things. And, and so, yeah. Yeah. I almost picture it like Saul thinks they're sitting here playing this like epic game of like chess or checkers where like in Saul's mind, it's almost like they're trading blows. Yeah. They're trading pieces. And like David's just over and over again, like I'm, I'm not playing like it'd be like my kids sitting down and trying to play chess with me and i'm like well i'm making dinner okay well your turn well no i'm not playing that game like i feel like david's yeah. constantly trying to be like i'm not i'm not playing this game that you mm. think that we're playing i'm not playing yeah. and not we're, i'm not actually at war with you like you're yeah. wasting tons of resources you're putting men's lives at risk to pursue me when i am not against you mm. and i just think it's so interesting that that is something that saul just cannot quite he can't understand. It's almost like he can't understand that David would not also be trying to harm him. Yeah. But then I also love that there's this element that there's so much time here where like, I really think David would have loved nothing more than for him to be reconciled with Saul. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't see in here that David wished ill for Saul. Yeah. He was best friends with his son. Like, I think that in his heart, he was hoping for reconciliation. Yeah. And but that would have come, Saul needed to make that decision. And ultimately Saul chose a path that destroyed his life and the lives of his sons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a tit for tat world, a tit for tat game. And David just simply refused to give the tit for tat. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and it's, and you see like Saul doesn't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. And, and I just think, man, so many, just in a whole lot of areas, like as followers of Christ, we're called to do things in a different way in in a world that is a tit for tat world or whatever that is completely opposite of that. Like it just, it looks crazy <laughs> and we don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. and, and the interesting thing is that when Saul, Saul is pursuing his kingship and it cost him his life. Um, I, I think David understood that, that while God had taken the kingship from Saul, he had not taken his life or his family's life. So, so there was an opportunity for Saul to say, okay, yeah. I'm not king. Right. My, my son's not going to be king. Uh, I'm going to accept what God has decreed and, mm. you know, let this play its way. And, and yet in his pursuit of David, it led him down a path where it cost him his own life, mm. 
and his son's life. Hmm. And, and I think, you know, the illustration from Saul is that when we pursue things like that, that, you know, it, it ends up paying a, a much deeper price than when we just accept uh, life as it is. Uh, at least that, at least that's why I think David's seeing that, that God has not decreed death on Saul, yeah. only a removal of the, of the crown. Right, yeah. And I'll, I love that. <laughs> At the beginning of uh, uh, second, I believe it's the, the beginning of Second Samuel, where like said, David is lamenting over Saul's death. And it's just talking about having the, the heart of God. Um, just imagine someone who is pursuing you and, and coming after you and trying and just making life miserable. And, you know, you had many opportunities to seek revenge and to take that in your own hands and you didn't. And then, so that's one thing. It's a completely, uh, another level <laughs> where he laments and is deeply sorrowful that, that Saul has, has died. And just, again, kind of shows that the character of God, the, uh, God's heart. Right. Well, this is, I know, way later in the story that he seeks out, is it it's Jonathan's son, right? That he eventually or seeks Korean out. Mephibosheth. Or, yeah, that yeah. he's, he's um, crippled. I think it's yeah. um, And he eventually seeks him out and, like, brings him to, like, yeah. sit and eat at his table. Like, yeah. I feel like Three David years. wanted to put to rest any of those huh. remaining rumors that, that there was any sort of ambivalence hmm. between him and Saul and that that. Um, and so I just see, again, yeah, like, God's heart for that restoration for that um like i know david probably would have loved nothing more than for jonathan to be sitting there dining at his table like i don't think that he he desired the story to end the way that it did yeah and that, and that story it's got that beautiful phrase and they, it says it twice and mephibosheth was crippled in both feet mm -hmm. because handicapped people crippled people were, were not allowed to sit at the king's table mm -hmm. and the writer as he's writing it, it's almost he's astounded yeah. and mephibosheth <laughs> Yeah. Saul's grandson, who tried yeah. to kill David, who is a, who is a a false heir to the throne that some could place in authority, and not only that, he's crippled. Hmm. He sits at the t king's table and ate like a son. Um, you know, the the phrase I keep coming back to in this is is this the ad lib, and if if we if we're ever living in an ad lib time, um, we're living in an ad lib time. You know, I guess you know Marysville's coming back to school. It's it's part time, and mm -hmm. and you know I, I think people get frustrated um, with with schools and businesses and probably even churches as we try to work our way through there. But we're living in uncharted yeah. times, and uh, you know as leadership teams, we're trying to make the best decisions we can make, um, and uh, you know we're praying about it and thinking about it and worrying about it and waking up. Uh, this is an ad lib time uh, where all all the normal things that you would do are are kind of out out the window. Uh, so so how do we make sure we're living God's way in the midst of ad lib? And I think like I just keep coming. It starts with knowing the heart of God and knowing the character of God. Like we say that David was a man after God's own heart, um, and, and and we're seeing that here is that in the midst of this, when, when the pressure is on and he, you know, by human standards, he had every right to, um, to do things his way, to, to bring about that transfer of power in a not so peaceful way. And, and, uh, and he had 
he had those opportunities, but he didn't. Um, he sought reconciliation. Even two generations later, like he sought that reconciliation. So I think it, it has to start with just knowing what is the heart of God, knowing what is the character of God, like knowing the way that God operates um, and then being grounded in that. Uh, and that's not, not a, it's obviously easier said than done. But if we don't know the character of God, if we don't know how God is, then we can't even start anywhere <laughs> if we don't know that. Yeah, yeah. When you use the word like ad lib, I also think about like almost like that improv and think about um, like sometimes some of my favorite shows, like you'll go back and realize some of the funniest lines. The actor, like that wasn't even written in the script. The actor was just so in character yeah, right. that everything that they said came out as part of that character. And so like you think about like that method acting, that when you are just totally immersed hmm. into a character. And so I think if we're going to be effective at living in the ad lib, we're going to be improvising. We're going to be trying to follow God's heart through all of this. Like we need to be really immersed, like Josh was saying, in, in what his heart is. And like, so when we sit there, we, we read our Bible, like it doesn't give us a do this, do this, do this. Here's how every minute of your yeah. day goes. But as we immerse ourselves in it, we see we see what his movements have looked like in the past. We see mm-hmm. hints of what his movements can look like here. And we can we can just kind of follow along with, with what we've seen in the past and how our current actions can very much fit in with those movements. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And I mean and we have Jesus, right? Yeah, like absolutely. we have a a pretty awesome picture of, of what God is like through mm-hmm. Jesus, like the full revelation of, of, of God. Yeah. And so we have that. And again, not that there's no there's no place in scripture that I've read where Jesus is trying to figure out how to, you know, continue church in a pandemic. <laughs> like it's just not in there. Um, and so, you know, when we're sitting around our staff meetings and, and thinking through these, we, we don't have that, but we can make decisions just knowing the heart of God um, because we are, that's what we're seeking. Yeah. So, yeah. So in the ad lib, and I, I and this is just hitting me as we're kind of talking about this. You're ad libbing it. We're ad libbing <laughs> I'm just like Michael Scott ad libbing And uh, <laughs> everything comes back to the office. It's just, just it's poor, poor weird. Um, but anyhow, um, I think we have to look at what Jesus valued. And I think David models that, yeah. that in the ad lib, what matters? Relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That, That's good. That, that in the midst of this, what mattered was his relationship with Jonathan and really even his relationship with Saul. And, and then after they were gone, his continued relationship with Mephibosheth, which is a fun name to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure. Right. Uh, even though he was crippled in both feet, that what mattered was not the disability, but the relationship. And so I guess that has, I think that has big application to our ad libs. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, what matters is not whether you're a masker or not a masker. Uh, what matters is relationships. And, and in, in a time when we can't gather like we would like, uh, when we look at David living in the ad lib, uh, the question all of us should be asking is, how can I still value relationships even in the midst of this? Um, I know that wasn't in our notes. What do you guys think? I mean, it's, it's yeah, I, I, I love that. I, I mean, that's that's central to who Jesus was, is this idea of, of relationship and people. 
And so, if, yeah. Yeah, even to the point, you know, I, I keep going back to this ideal table fellowship. And when you look at Jesus, it was all about table fellowship. And so uh, in, in that day, if you sat down and ate a meal with somebody, it meant that they were okay, that you you yeah. wanted to have a relationship. It wasn't like, you know, you just went to, to a Pizza Hut and you ate with somebody. Yeah. It was significant. Yeah. And so Jesus has this table fellowship with tax collectors and women and sinners and prostitutes and lepers and people who are outside the, the, the normal society. And we see David doing the same thing. And yeah. so I, I guess the question is, yeah, how, how do we live this in the midst of pandemic? What are some ways we can value relationships even when we, it's maybe not as easy. I think a big part of it is, is remembering that it is people that we are, we are talking about. And so, you know, we can get caught up in the, in debates of how we do this thing and, you know, shall we mask or not wear mask and should we go to school five days? Should we not go to school? And like, it's easy to make these just issues and forget that it, this, these are people that we're talking about, and so it's people who have different uh, who have different ideas. And so, how do we how do we look past the the th- the issues that divide us and still see a person, which is someone who's valued? <laughs> and so, how do I how do I see that value regardless of, of issues? And this isn't like, <laughs> I think you all understand that this isn't us saying, this is how you do it, <laughs> right? Because this is the struggle. And this is the struggle that even I find myself in. Let's go ahead. Mark. No, I say, I think, like you said, sometimes I think it does come down to just almost deciding that you are not going to, you're not going to play the game. Yeah. I'm not going yeah, to let this mm-hmm. issue be <laughs> divisive. I'm not, I'm not, that was your move. Mm-hmm. That's mine's not going to counter that. And and again, that's so much easier said (laughs) than done. But I think sometimes that needs to be our mentality or we need to shift our perspective that almost everything right now feels it feels political. It feels calculated. Mm. It feels like a move. It feels like a trade for this, for this. And what if we just stop playing the game that way? Mm. What if we stop playing the game? What if we make it all about the people? and remove the issues. And I don't, I mean, I don't even really know what that looks like, yeah, right. but that's just what I'm like. How do we, how do we value people first? Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's, that is, yeah. We are, are we deciding to play the game the way of the world? Are we deciding to play the game and stop playing the game, but the kingdom of heaven way? That's good. And it's, yeah. That scripture kept, keeps coming to my mind above all, and this is first Peter four, eight, Above all, love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And, uh, you know, you you get that most basic um, definition of sin is this falling short of the glory of God, missing the mark. And so when we miss the mark, we fall short of the glory of God. It's it's love that covers over that. Mm -hmm. It's love that overcomes that. And if we ever lived in a time where people need to remember that, it's in the midst of this. Uh, that 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 maybe that the question we need to ask: How do I live in the ad lib? Is how can I love through this circumstance? How how can I still love this person, even though they may have a different opinion or a different per- 
perspective. How can I love this person? Even, even in the midst, David demonstrated that even when we're being attacked, we can love. And, and he loves Saul, even though Saul yeah. is attacking him. And how do we love, this is, how do we love that person in value relationship, even when we see that person as an obstacle between me and what God has for me? <laughs> because Saul was definitely an obstacle between David reaching the, the potential that God had for him and, the, and the, the goals that God had for him. And so, but he still valued the person, the relationship more than, I don't, I don't know if it's fair to say he valued that more than the end goal, but I think probably. Um, I think he trusted enough that the end goal, God would bring that about. Wasn't dependent on him. Without him, him hmm. interjecting his, his will on it. I think there was a lot of trust there and um yeah yeah and david loved even though saul was wrong yeah right. right there's no yeah. there's no question saul was wrong no david yeah. loved him and i'm thinking like i know that there's quite a few verses i can't find them right now but like mention like talk about how we live our lives like almost as i did we should be living our lives above reproach so that if people would say things about us that that they almost look silly for saying those things because they're they're so untrue about us and i see david doing that. And I think Saul, even as he's encountering him in different villages, people have nothing but good things to say about David. Which nothing but comfort. Which I mean makes Saul just yeah. crazy. Right. But but sometimes like I feel like that can be my motivation at times. It's like I'm gonna walk through this situation with with the hope, with the the intention that you other people would not have bad things to say about me. Like personally, like that that, that would carry any merit. People, I can't control how people feel about me. I can, but I can't, can to some extent, control how I make people feel. Yeah. And so that's always been something that comes to mind often mm. for me is like, I want to live a life that people would honestly look silly to to criticize. Um, okay. That's good. You know, I keep with, with the COVID nineteen and all the let, let's just call it what it is controversy debate disagreements that, that you're seeing, even in the church world. Um, I, I know of a church that, well, it, it, it's a crazy time. And my concern is the disease will fade, but the ramifications on relationships will not. And uh, uh, the, the only way we can get through this and have legitimate differences of opinions, you know, people can see things two different ways. Um, the only way we'll get through this without damaging relationships long-term is love. Mm -hmm. That if, if we commit together, okay, I, I'm gonna see this different than Josh, or Josh gonna see this different than me, but I'm gonna love him regardless, then, then I believe that we can get through this uh, where our relationships are, are not damaged. Mm -hmm. if, we were, if we just continue to say, hey, I'm gonna fight the battle because the battle's more important than love, then we can end up with salt. We can destroy a lot of lives uh, by just insisting on fighting um, in the ad lib over things that that really don't matter uh, for for the life of a church, the life of our families, the life of our community. Um, Which kind of takes me back to some of that stuff that Nelson was even talking about, like when things are kind of shaken, the things that are left are the things that matter the most. And so I think we need to be careful and making sure that we are identifying the things that really matter the most and that, um, yeah. 
Paul says three things last forever, faith, hope, and love. <laughs> Those, and, and then he says, the greatest of these is love. Yeah. Uh, but, but these are eternal virtues. And they, so when, when you cling in the midst of, um, of, a, of the ad lib, of the improv, <laughs> when, when you cling to faith, hope, and love, uh, it, it's not an exit strategy, it's a living strategy. It allows you to live in this moment, in these moments, in the right way. When we cling to those things, it, it gives us an effective path, not just to the end, but through life. And, and that's the point of this. I mean, we, we, we can't just exit this life. <laughs> We've got to live this life as, as God has called us to live it. Yeah, I love that it says faith, hope, and love. And it also says, like, against these things, like, there's no law. Yeah. So, like, there's, there's no... There's nothing that anybody can mandate, say, or whatever that would prevent us in any way hmm. from living in faith, yeah. hope, and showing love. Right. It's good. It's good. It's good. good. Well, what other thoughts we have? Man, I think that covers it. <laughs> we solved all the problems. Okay. <laughs> Just go do what we say. <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> and hopefully do what if, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Even if we fail to do it ourselves at times, you still do it better. Yeah, you do it, do it right, show us. <laughs> well, which so which is is funny because like this whole time I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like we, we live on this side of history where we know what is in the near future for David, right? <laughs> uh, where it's not this nice, neat picture, <laughs> and so um, I don't know where I was going with that, but it just <laughs> it just made me think like the truth is is that there comes a time here where David, we're not saying the same things about David. No, no yeah, <laughs> David makes some mistakes. Yeah, but even in his mistakes, um, I, I think he comes back to love um, mm-hmm. for for the most part. That David's an interesting <laughs> character, man. Yes, it's true. Big, big, big successes and big failures all, all combined. And I guess it gives us hope. I yeah. say, aren't we so thankful our mistakes do not yeah, disqualify for sure. us? I'll need yep. a few. Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, cool. Josh, when you pray us out. Sure. Man. Yep. God, thank you for this conversation. Uh, thank you that your word is alive and active. And so when we talk about a story that happened so many years ago and a familiar story that we've we've heard several times, that we can still pull something fresh for us today. That you speak through your word. And so thank you for that. Thank you for this conversation. God, as we go, uh Help us to, to be so in tune with your character and, and who you are that that is what overflows in us, that love overflows. So help us to value people. Help us to value relationships. Help us to live a life of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless. Thanks, everyone.